Welcome to Golden Grape, Collaboration SF's podcast empowering Asian American stories from the Gold Rush to the Gold Open. I'm your co-host, Elsa. And I'm Long, the other co-host. And here today we have a special guest, it's Lin Wen Hong, and she is the creator of Wrong Asian Pin, which went viral. Um, Jenny Yang shared it, Angry Asian Men shared it, and it was a popular pin. That's how I discovered her, and I found out she lived in San Francisco. And so part of our podcast, I wanted to take away just the meme about her because every person that creates art, there's a human behind that. And I used to work in advertise or social media, I should say, and understand analytics and stuff like that too. And there's this thing about being a one-hit meme that I wanted to give her a voice on our platform to get away from that. Um, with that background that she was able to make a pinch, you know, her full-time job is advertising. Which is very cool because I studied advertising and there's not a lot of advertising majors out there and I actually toured her current ad agency that she works at, Heat. And I remember used I used to dream about working at places such as that. So it's amazing that she works at something like that because there, as she mentioned, there's not a lot of Asian American women in the ad industry. So I hope she really paves her way and, and climbs to the top. Lin Nguyen is part of a group in New York base is called the Cosmos, which is a diversity group that's for women that are and non-binary people that do creative work. And when she came to San Francisco, she wanted to find something that was more closer. So she really identifies with this group so much, she actually flies out time to time. And so when I interviewed her, I caught her in the moment where she just came back from the Cosmos. That kind of reminds me of what collaboration is all about and how we are lifting the Asian American community, local artists, rappers, singers, writers who don't normally have a platform and giving that to them. So I, I think we can relate on that aspect that we have joined collaboration to find that community here as well. Exactly. I really enjoyed the conversation that you and Lin Yan have because it's very conversational, it's very flowy, like you guys are just two friends catching up, getting to know one each other more. One thing that I bookmarked in my mind was your um, question about hot takes with her because she is growing. I don't know if she would call herself an influencer, but because of her wrong Asian pin, she's gotten a lot more coverage, right? A lot more people know her. And you asked her if people go to her for her opinion on it, on certain things, maybe politics or what's going on in the world. Hot takes. Yeah. And that made me think about what we do with our podcast. Because she says that, you know, people, there is a bit of a pressure to kind of watch what you're saying. People are really riding on the things, yet, you know, every word, you know, hanging on to every word. And I'm not saying people are hanging on to every word that we say, but, you know, it's out there in the world and our opinion might change one day. And I get nervous that someone might hear this and they, you know, I might not be the wokest person. I might not have the, the perfect opinion. And I get scared about that, but you just got to continue and be yourself and, you know, let loose. And at the end of the day, this is something that's fun. Um, and we're just stating what we feel at the moment. Yeah. And also, too, the people forget about human growth. Um, there is evolution. Um, when you talk about pro progressiveness, like you have to keep evolving. There's, you know, the talk about non-binary and trans people didn't exist 10 years ago. Right. So what I said 10 years ago, as long as I didn't have any malice or attacking someone, if I didn't know about something and I got educated, then I could recorrect. I think that's a lot of 
problems with the internet is that people are always precise in saying like <laughs> yes or no or always never. Um, in my work, my, my line of work of like fitness, like the science always changes. Mm -hmm. And I always have to say like, in this moment where we have more education or science behind this, this is what we do now. 10 years ago, we didn't have this. And I always had to clarify these things and never being absolute. And I think that's a, a lot of problems of with, you know, diversity and representations where like someone has a thing that becomes viral and then like, oh, what's your hot take now about <laughs> this? And it's like, that's just too much. It's like, well, it's like putting someone on a pedestal, right? Mm -hmm. And never expecting them to fuck up or being the token person for this. Yeah. Hey, you create this thing. You must know everything there is to know. Like immigration policy. Yeah. And not that she doesn't, right? Mm -hmm. But that's so much pressure on anybody who really rises up and goes into the spotlight and, ex and is willing to step into that. Yeah. Part of my um, collab SF gets lit... Um, series is that Vietang Nguyen, he writes about not being a genius. When he won the Pulitzer Prize, he's like, I'm not a genius. I won this prestigious award, but however, there's a lot of people before me that did diversity books. And, and he cited all these people and it's like, we need more just representation. So you don't, if I don't have an answer for something, mm -hmm. you can ask someone else that has an answer. I shouldn't be the catch all yeah the end all end all mm -hmm. and that's a problem with like a lot of these like hot takes is like you're asking the wrong question for you know it's the wrong person it's almost pe like people are waiting for you to crack to fail to find little things that they don't agree with and pounce on that yeah so it's always just like this validation we want i think that's the problem with like the internet and social media is like i think that's what captivating thing about like her pen is that it validated like oh there was that one moment where like you only valued me as Asian and so whenever another Asian person come in so like you didn't remember that like for Lin I Nguyen, am my own person yeah. I have complexities and like I'm gonna kind of speak for Lynn was like bitch I fucking like did that <laughs> that project for you and like now you forget because another Asian person come in I'm like I'm literally speaking for her so. But that's the kind of thing. It's like, wait, you wash away what I did and I started and all these things of personal who I am and then another Asian person comes in. Like, yeah. That's the hard part with that, you know? And so we identify with that. But then also, too, it's like, now we're like, okay, what else do you identify? Do you do this? Do you do this? And it's like, uh, I just do art, girl. <laughs> like, well, I don't know. And if you want to hear the rest of this interview that Long has had with Lin Yang, I really appreciate how unapologetic a human she is. You know, she's not saying that she's perfect. She's not saying she's godly. So I really enjoy it. But she's someone who happened to rise up and have a little more light shine on her. And what I take away from her experience is that her moving to SF, her getting involved with Cosmos, her putting her art out there, and her art about, you know, it could offend people, right? It could be you know, to certain people. It's like, oh, the wrong Asian. Um, I'm sorry about that. Yada, yada, yada. People not, might not always relate, especially if they're not Asian. But she put herself out there. And what I took away from that was that the more you put yourself out there, the more people you attract who inspire you and uplift you because she was able to find all this empathy, this huge community that said, thank you so much for what you did. Um, I completely relate. 
and I wouldn't have otherwise. Yeah. So let's get into the interview and see what she has to say. Um, I'm Lin Yen. I'm a Vietnamese-American designer and illustrator. Um, I hail from Grand Rapids, Michigan, and I came to San Francisco about two and a half years ago. Mm-hmm. And let's have a conversation about when we first hung out. We were talking about you're in the Midwest, and there's a in your community there. Mm-hmm. There actually is. There's a huge Vietnamese community in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I don't know why that is. I think it's partially because California was super full of Asian people. <laughs> a- after the fall of Saigon, no, like seriously, it, after the fall of Saigon, my parent, uh, my dad, when he escaped, he wanted to come to America, but we actually only had one family member outside of Vietnam and he was in Germany, my uncle. And he's, he kind of lied and he said, oh, I know, uh, I have a cousin who's in Grand Rapids, Michigan of mm-hmm. all places. We had a family friend there. So that's how he ended up there. And I think from there it starts to spiral to like family friends and then family who kind of move there because they know somebody that's there yeah. and all they really want is to be in America, which is, you know, understandable. Yeah. So I think that's probably what happened. Yeah. And then it's built to be a really huge Vietnamese Catholic community. Mm-hmm. I grew up with a lot of people in the church um, and everybody knew each other because it was kind of a small city. So yeah, both Catholic guilt and Vietnamese guilt. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah. So, was there any point that, like, when you were growing up, that you didn't realize that Vietnamese community being that predominant was normal? Or was it just, like, kind of something that, watching through TV, you saw, like, oh, wait, like, this is something abnormal? Growing up, I thought, I've only known Vietnamese people. I didn't know any other Asian people. Mm-hmm. I think I knew one Korean person and then one Chinese person mm-hmm. in my school. But to be honest, like the only Asian that I knew was Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. And that's all I've ever known growing up. I grew up with, you know, we talked about growing up with like Paris by Night and yeah. Pinga. Like that's all I watched. And people make fun of me because they're they're like, you've never watched The Godfather. And I'm like, no, I didn't watch American television. Like rarely watched American movies. I grew mm-hmm. up very much Vietnamese, like ate a lot of the Vietnamese food. And, you know, that's kind of that's kind of all I knew. Yeah. Um, and I was so far removed from the rest of the APIA community. Yeah. I didn't know that many other people until I went to college. And that's when I met. I was a little bit more immersed in that community and I was super involved in it. Um, but in Grand Rapids, like that's all I knew because it was pre- predominantly Vietnamese. Mm-hmm. Sidebar, did you have Maggie? Maggie? The, the sauce? Yeah. Did you think that was real uh, soy sauce? Yeah. You know it's not real soy sauce, right? Really? No. Is that fake? <laughs> it's it's just it's just like protein like water it's like seasoning. It's not, it's actually from Germany. Oh, interesting. So like we've been lied to as Vietnamese people. Can you believe that? Where's the lie? <laughs> oh my god! I, right? Does that blow your mind? That does blow my mind. So there's a whole thing of like uh, Vietnamese people adopted Maggie sauce, but it's not real soy sauce. What? That's all. Yeah. It just tastes like it. It doesn't even taste like real soy. Yeah, see, look, Adrian's not even said they taste two different things. Somehow, Vietnamese people adopted Maggie, and it's from Germany. Oh, that is so fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, it's, that's a whole other topic. Though. Yeah. But um, tell me about your um, college experience now being around other Asian Americans. It's great. I mean, I'm heavily... So I was super involved in VSA, the Vietnamese Student Association, in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to the University of Michigan. And in that, we had many other orgs within the APA community, such as like CSA, AAA, and like we had FASA, which was like Filipino. Um, 
so for me it just like better informed sort of my identity and what um growing up in a predominantly like black and white community like what it meant to be sort of an other Mm -hmm. um and just learning about other cultures to be honest like i met so many amazing people who come from many different cultures learned about their food learned about certain traditions that they have Mm -hmm. and some of the things that they've dealt with growing up in a community where they felt sort of like the minority got it yeah so fast forward to how i found out about you like let's go to now can you talk about the moment that like inspired you for you to make that pin should i explain what the pin is yes okay so (laughs) i guess it's a pin that went sort of viral and it still is um it says wrong asian on it but okay on the back uh, on the packaging um so (laughs) the reason why i made that pin was sort of a joke to be honest so i work in advertising as a woman of color which is sort of a rarity to be honest in advertising so I had an experience where one of my coworkers, who was an art director, got promoted, who is Chinese. Um, her and her partner got promoted. A white male coworker came over to us, put his hands on my shoulder, and then my other uh, coworker, her partner, who was mm-hmm. white. <laughs> he put both of his hands on our shoulder and said, congratulations. And the moment that he said that, I was like, oh, he thinks I'm somebody else. <laughs> Some other Asian girl in the office. And I looked at him and I said, wrong one, but okay. And he just kind of laughed awkwardly and then walked away. Yeah. And I was pretty livid like the whole day. I looked at my friend who's Filipino and I, he was watching this whole whole conversation like incident happen. And he was just so physically uncomfortable. He said, oh my gosh, I can't believe that just happened. And I've never experienced that. I've, I've experienced it in like high school and college, but mm-hmm. never in the workplace where I was treated as a professional. Yeah. And when it happened, I was like, oh, I'm so like frustrated. Like I really wanted to punch him. And like, I was just so angry at everything. And I was like, you know what? There's like no use in being frustrated and angry. Like, let's just make something funny out of it. So yeah. I made this pin, mm-hmm. not knowing that it would be popular and people would actually like resonate with it. But mm-hmm. I made these pins and I like threw it up on my Instagram and I was like, hey, like I'm just, I have these funny pins that came out of a moment of frustration and that's it like that's that's literally it it was just a moment where i was mistaken for another asian female yeah and (laughs) it was just another shitty thing that happens because people seem to think we're we all look alike yeah yeah so one thing i do like about the pen is like this is very ironic it's like instead of you making a hot take and making this super emotional npr podcast like how it hurt me you just took a light of it and made something out of it and then people identified it right yeah it to be honest the amount of people who dm'd me when i because i it started out as a dm i didn't have a shop and have any professional settings in order to mail these out to people yeah so i was it was sort of scrappy to be honest i was like writing all these addresses out and like people were dming me saying like i really love this this really resonated with me there was one one person in particular who was so sweet she dm'd me and she said like thank you for making these this is so amazing like i was doing I was feeling really shitty about my identity and then when I read all these comments on the Twitter thread, it just made me feel so much better and knowing that there's a community of people who deal with the same shit that I deal with. Yeah. And that was such a profound moment for me personally as an artist because you know, even if I can reach one person with my art, then that's like worth it. Yeah. So in that moment though, when you started getting viral, like how did you feel about it? And was there like happiness but also fear about it 
It's like a double-edged sword, right? <laughs> yeah, it is. I was super happy. I mean, like, it's good to see people recognize your work and think that it's really great and it gives you a lot of motivation to keep creating more. But at the same time, it felt a lot of like a lot of pressure. Mm-hmm. Like I was like, I keep I have to keep making more art. I have to like stay on top of trends. I have to stay relevant. Yeah. And it's really, really difficult because, you know, like I have a full time job. I I work with the cosmos. Yeah. So like it's it's a lot of things that I'm balancing and then I have to also be like a woke artist i guess i don't know like somebody that's relevant in the asian community but like i don't have time to do that sometimes do you find yourself having to answer a lot of like the hot takes and stuff like what's your opinion about this what about mm-hmm. this and were people like now approaching you a certain way of like dude i just made a pin yeah <laughs> i think people probably think because of that pin that i'm like I have all of these hot takes on what it means mm-hmm. to be Asian, which I do. Like, I have a lot of opinions of what it means to be an Asian American. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm not, I'm just an artist and I'm like having fun and I'm creating conversations and creating a dialogue, but doesn't mean that I want to write a whole essay on it. Yeah. Did you find yourself more isolated or did you find a community with that? Because it can go both ways, right? So sometimes when they pin you as like the, this type of person and then like, people just come to ask you something as opposed to like, oh, you know, I think that's why we approach you to want to give you a different platform and not expect you to answer all these questions about, like, <laughs> you know. Do you mean like isolated in sort of the art that I made, like just the one pin or like isolated as an artist? Or? Both. Both? I think that's an interesting question just because like I do feel a little bit isolated in that because that's what I'm well known for. Mm. And on the, on the other side, I'm sort of isolated as an Asian American artist. I'm not just an artist. Yeah. You know, because I don't want, sometimes I just want to make art or like create designs that I think are really beautiful. Mm. Like, do they always have to tap into the Asian American narrative? I don't mm. know. But it's sort of something that I'm running with right now. And it's something that I do want to continue doing, but I don't want it to be the only thing that I'm doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because it's. Because you're a different. What the funny thing is is like, Asia is a continent. Mm-hmm. We keep forgetting. Like somehow we've gotten grouped together as the continent um, Asian Americans, mm-hmm. but like every other and this is like Italians, mm-hmm. Irish is a country. So like we're kind of unfairly grouped together. So when it comes to voices, like it's hard to be like, what else is your take other than making this pen? It's like, can you buy my other pen? <laughs> <You know, laughs> right? Yeah. Like sometimes. Sometimes I tell people they're they're I hate it when people ask me this question. They're like, "What does this mean to you?" Or why did you make this? And I'm like, "Cuz I just wanted to fucking make it." Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can appreciate beautiful art. I can appreciate beautiful designs, but does it always have to have like a deeper meaning? I don't know. Yeah. I think sometimes it's really great to tell a story through your art, but it doesn't always have to be that way. Yeah. So through that, like have you started uh, other Asian American artists or just people reached out and started backing you up and then can you go into more about the Cosmos? Oh yeah, for sure. So the Cosmos is... First question though. Oh, First question. sorry. Yeah. First question. Can you say that again actually? Did you start finding like a community that people start reaching out and started collaborating with you so you, you know, like they're similar to you or just started teaching you or finding yourself to be less than the other? I've definitely found a community of people yeah. for sure. I the more that I put out my work, the more people come to me and like follow me or DM me and tell me what they're doing. Um, 
I've been lucky enough to be in a community of people who that have connected me with other Asian American artists, designers, illustrators who are doing really awesome things too. And I've been very fortunate enough to be in that and be in a city that has a lot of Asian American artists as well. So I find myself sort of in that grouping and it's, it's good to support your community. And um, I've been lucky enough to have that. And then the Cosmos. Um, the Cosmos is a group of women and non-binary individuals. It's a space for entrepreneurs, creators, um, to just find solace in one another, um, to find basically like wellness, career advice, life advice. We have a Slack channel actually that houses all of the people who are in the Cosmos. And we have like different channels where it talks about like help uh like mental health um careers advice recommendations stuff like that we actually just had a summit that um hosted over 200 asian women and non-binary individuals in new york Mm -hmm. that went super super well we had a flurry of workshops we had a vendor market which i was a part of um we had speakers we had wellness centers it was a really great uplifting day and it was just kind of a moment for us like the team to create a space and an event that was made for us by us Mm -hmm. um so that's what the cosmos is i've been involved for a little over a year now so i'm one of the designers on the team um and it's been great it's i've been sort of craving an asian community again because when i moved out to san francisco i was pretty focused on just work Mm -hmm. and i craved having you know like-minded individuals around me again and that's what I had in college but when I left college I I kind of forgot about it and just wanted to focus on my career and then you know a year into San Francisco I'm like I kind of need that again and I was lucky enough where I had a colleague um who I actually went to school with my senior thesis she introduced me to the cosmos she said hey like I think you told me that you're lacking like a bit of your identity this, I think this is a great opportunity for you to work with like-minded individuals and women who look like you and think like you. Um, so join. So she onboarded me and I've been doing it ever since and it's been amazing. So the interesting thing is, how do you find about Collab? Because when you told me about this, no one on staff knew about this. Oh, <laughs> so I knew about Collab because we had one in Michigan. What? Yeah, so I think there was one, I believe, in like East Lansing. Mm-hmm. and Adam, um, who's a friend of mine who went to Michigan State, so I went to Michigan. He went to Michigan State. He was, like, sort of one of the head people in Collab, mm-hmm. and they had, I believe, yearly showcases uh-huh. in East Lansing. Yeah. And that's how I heard about it, and I was like, oh, wait, is this, like, the same thing? And I looked at it, and I'm like, it's the same logo, so it has to be the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. And how did you feel about, like, when you first saw that? Like, did mm-hmm. you, you know? I thought like- it was interesting. It was nice to, like, give Asian American artists a platform because it's so rare to see nowadays. Mm -hmm. Um, All you have is YouTube. Yeah. But it's nice to give people like a huge stage, a huge presence Mm -hmm. and an audience to support their work. So it was like a young version of it was uh, a young it was Paris by night right yeah sort of (laughs) but you know (laughs) like a little bit more YouTube if you know what I mean like with the guitar and the piano. Um, Yeah it was it was a college thing. I think majority of the performances or the artists who were performing in it were college students. Like I knew a couple of them. So yeah. Did your musical taste like always come from like that kind of YouTube like generation? Right now, I... my my music taste is not based on YouTube at all. Yeah. I listen to like rap and hip hop. Yeah, because it's like the funny thing is 
being part of collab, like everyone, like not everyone, but like a good chunk of them still like scour the internet and stuff. Like our uh, our one of our guys, Dustin, he like goes to SoundCloud. He's like the SoundCloud king, king, and like he, if you ever follow us on Twitter, we go at each other all the time. He's mm-hmm. like my Twitter comrade, but he's like always on SoundCloud finding these new artists and stuff, and so. But do you find yourself? But you always you're just saying like you only listen to rap, right? <laughs> yeah. Or not listen only, but I mean, I listen to. A, I would like to think I have an eclectic, like, taste in music. But mm-hmm. for the majority, I've like found that I definitely listen to a little bit more like rap, hip hop, and like indie. Mm-hmm. Like I really like Tori Moi. Would you consider him indie? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Like Blood <laughs> you Orange. You get a head nod from Adrian. <laughs> <laughs> like Blood Orange, like yeah. really love him. Um, but yeah. I I do like I still have my SoundCloud and sometimes I go back to it if I want to have like a chill vibe. Yeah, yeah. Because that's the underground artist. You still gotta support those. Mm-hmm. But um, going back to growing up, so it's interesting that you had an Asian American, specifically Vietnamese, and then that collaboration and stuff like that. When did you? Was there a time that you felt like the other when you started? Were like, oh, this is oh, one hundred percent. I. We had a huge Vietnamese community, but the middle school that I went to, it was like one of the very few Asian, mm. just Asian yeah. people. It was majority black and white. Mm. Um, and that's when I felt like the other, because I'm like, we don't we don't look alike. Like, yeah. we come from different backgrounds. I, we eat different things at home, you know? Yeah. And like Maggie sauce. That's <laughs> sauce. <laughs> Maggie sauce. You lied to me. I know. Um, yeah, I did. And there was like there were moments where I felt like so out of it and I kind of had to conform the way that I talked mm-hmm. to fit in. Code switching, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it was such an odd experience because I think I still talk like that a little bit right now. Mm-hmm. I had <laughs> I had somebody tell me that I speak hood and I'm like, What? And they're like, You talk like you're kind of like on the street a little bit and i'm like oh that's interesting okay who said this do i need to find them beat them up? oh no who no, no. i'm not offended <laughs> but i just found it such an interesting observation yeah. because i grew up in a predominantly black community got it but what were you saying what was the i think it's just the way that i talked <laughs> i think i also do this a lot uh-huh. like oh, i slap the, the emoji hand clap yeah and i'm just like what the fuck are you talking about yeah. <laughs> and like like people think that that was like hood and i'm like mm. I don't know if that's like because what my Wokenese thinks is like oh you're you're assertive woman so they think it's I hood. am yes and I get that a lot as well yeah that I'm aggressive for being an Asian woman yeah and I think growing up I was incredibly timid like really shy didn't speak up a lot yeah and I think as I grew up I'm like this is not like the reason why I'm so aggressive now is because I don't want to be seen as the normal timid docile yeah. Asian woman. I don't fit that bill, yeah. and I don't think I ever will. And I, I want people to start shifting their thinking of what it means to be an Asian woman in America. Yeah. Um, because I'm not just a housewife. <laughs> like, yeah. I have a lot to offer, and I have a lot of opinions, and I'm. But people always want to label it as aggressive. Yeah. And I really hate that because I don't see myself as an aggressive person. I'm just an assertive, opinionated person who has a lot to say. Yeah. I think that it's just been interesting to be in a community of like women who kind of get you. Mm -hmm. And I've met 
people who who are in the cosmos actually who work also in advertising mm -hmm. and we have a lot of conversations about what it means to be a, like a woman of color in advertising right. and i find a lot of um kind of solitude in that and that's been really nice to just like have those conversations openly with women in the cosmos because i don't talk about that often at work because i i don't Certain things that I say at work, I have to explain further or else they don't get it, you know? Can you give an example of that? Ooh, okay, let me try to think. I gotta, I, gotta, I gotta dig deep into my brain a little bit. Um, I don't know, something simple as like taking my shoes off. Right. Indoors. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. If I ever go to one of my friend's houses who aren't Asian, I ask first. I'm like, uh, should I take off my shoe or is this like, I don't know. You guys keep your shoes on? It, yeah. It's just like a weird like thing, but if I ever come to a friend's house or even just a stranger's house who's Asian, I take my shoes off right away. Yeah. It's sort of an unspoken rule. Yeah. You know, it's something simple like that. Like they don't, they didn't grow up in that way. So for me, I'm just like, uh. And those are the layers that people understand, like why we need our space like that, right? So yeah. like we always have to think of these, like I call them asterisks. Mm -hmm. so it's like we have to go this checklist and go through these things is when we're, with people that are common with us, we don't have to go through those asterisks, right? Yeah, yeah. And so, yeah, that's like a great example. Um, and what's one pitch you would have just to persuade people to go for your, um, to persuade them into, hold on, that was a lot of words. What's your pitch to persuade people to join the organization? To join Cosmos? Yes. It's an incredibly open-minded community of people, and you will always find somebody, even if it's just one person, who can help you in times of like trouble or times of confusion in your career, in your life, in your relationships. I've been, I've just been so amazed by the amount of people, amount of like Asian women, who are doing great things for themselves, like paving a way and dealing with a lot of things such as like motherhood and we even have a channel for like cannabis use like these little things that I would have never talked about with like some of my Asian woman friends in like college but it's been so nice to talk to them because they're doing all these things that you know I don't see very often like women entrepreneurs or yeah. women poets authors podcast hosts you know like those are little things that I never thought I would be in another Asian woman yeah. but I found that through the cosmos because the cosmos has been really sort of instrumental in me finding su success through other women and seeing what their story is like. And I think it is an incredibly interesting community to be a part of. And you can find just so many different types of people, even though we fall sort of under the same umbrella. So now that the pen is successful, and you know we were just kind of talking about how there's pressures to be viral and stuff, but then also too, can you tell people I think a lot of people don't understand what it means to be viral and how it's just a blip. And then also, too, it doesn't last as long. Because I used to work in um, marketing. Yeah. And people don't understand. It's like, oh, like Instagram, you just get viral and it just like solves everything. No, it doesn't. It just brings you more complicated things, right? How is it for, to try to make art? And then also, like, you get this new thing, but it's not solving everything. It just brings a different complication, right? Just feels like a lot of pressure to be honest yeah because i feel like i have to like present myself in a certain way mm -hmm. and sort of be a voice for the asian community which i think is a huge undertaking and not something i should ever be given um but i think it gives me a better appreciation for like the work that i want to put in and 
the work that I want to send out to people. I've been a little bit more conscious about how I, this is so like silly and sort of the designer in me, like the way that I package pins or just package anything really um, and how I send it out. Like I remember when I was first doing the pins, I actually did like a thank you note for each pin and I don't do it anymore. It's tiring, right? It's so tiring. Yeah. It's, I think something that people don't know about me is I, this isn't my job. It's, yeah. it's a side hustle. It really is. It's been, I, I work like a nine to whatever because mm -hmm. advertising is crazy hours. And then I come home and then I package things and then I go to the post office the next day. It's like an every single day yeah. thing, you know? And it's like, this is why we ship all our stuff to China to make our stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so meta. Yeah, shout out to China. Shout out to China. Um, Pay them well, please. I, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm starting to roll out more stuff. Like I've been really, people have been like DMing me. DMing me asking like, is this going to be on a hat? Is this going to be on a shirt? Like, what else are you going to make with it? Because I really want to support you. Yeah. And I'm like, slow down. Like, it takes a long time even just to make one thing. So yeah. I just released like a sticker. And that's yeah. been like really awesome too. I had like one person buy like 20 of them. And I'm like, holy crap. That's um, awesome. Yeah. And I'm like, damn, who are you buying all this for? Yeah. I What the nice thing about the pins though and like the stickers is people buy multiple because they give it to their coworkers who they get mistaken with. And I think that's so funny because that's a story that we all share. Yeah. And our, we find a lot of like camaraderie within that story, which is sort of ridiculous. Um, but I, at least it brings a smile to people's faces and I think that's like really awesome. Um, but yeah, I'm like pushing out like more stuff. Like I'm really hoping to do like t-shirts and like hats and stuff like that. Um, sort of make it, it its own brand, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I don't know if I want that to be like all that I do. I want to be able to do more stuff. So on that, what are you working on now that's beside that? Because you're much more than just that pin. Yeah. I mean, I'm working on a lot of different like prints and like art pieces. I have a pin that I'm actually going to release next month that I'm hoping is received well. I don't want to say anything about it right now. We'll see. I, I'm... <laughs> but you know like i it's just like i don't want to be like a one-hit wonder yeah. um like i want to be able to do well for myself and create these narratives that are really interesting and sort of in tune with like who i am as an asian american and i, I hope that other asian americans can also like resonate with what i have to bring to the table zines i'm hoping to do more zines i just i just have one right now and it's called i'm tired Okay. And it's about my experiences <laughs> dating a white man. Yeah. Um, which I'm sure a lot of Asian people can relate to. <laughs> At least I've like found a couple of them. Um and I do a lot of prints, like I've been working sort of on a couple of like illustrations and stuff like that. So a couple of things, but it's definitely like I'm learning to take my time with it because I don't want to rush things yeah. because, you know, on top of like having a full time job that is already so demanding, yeah. it's hard to be demanding on myself as an artist. Yeah. So I want to be able to take my time um, and do that. So and because of the cosmos as well, like that's a, another sort of large chunk of my time that I dedicate my art to. Cool. Thank you for your time. Let's wrap up. Yeah. How can the lovely listeners find you online? So you can find me on Instagram at linyen.co, L-I-N-H-Y-E-N.co. And that's it, to be honest. Yes. I don't have a Twitter. Who's your website? You have a website. My, oh, yeah. My website is linyenhuang, L-I-N-H-Y-E-N-H-O-A-N-G.com. That's usually my professional website, but you can also find some fun stuff in there as well. Thank you for your time. Yeah. And that's going to do it for Episode 8 of Golden Great. 
Send questions, comments, and episode ideas our way to goldengrade at collaboration.org. And remember, that's collaboration with a K. Golden Grade's producers are Adrian Chen and Michelle Abiera, and our executive producer is Josh Ko. Sound mixing was by Adrian Chen and Michelle Abiera. Editing was also by Adrian. Our fabulous theme song was composed by Robert Gu. Please like, favorite, and rate us. We'll catch you next time. Stay, Stay golden! golden.